0: This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our Top Stories Russia pressed on with its offensive in several areas of Ukraine, having bombarded it with unusual severity over the weekend. Russian forces pounded Nikopol, a city near Zaporizhia, and fired cruise missiles into Odessa. The EU's chief diplomat, Josep Borrell, rejected calls from member states bordering Russia, including Estonia and Finland, for a blanket ban on tourist visas for Russians traveling to the Schengen area. He advocated a, quote, more selective approach ahead of talks planned for next week. Germany's economy is increasingly likely to slip into recession with inflation rising above 10% this autumn, according to the country's Bundesbank. The eurozone's largest economy is highly reliant on Russian gas supplies, which will again be choked off in a three-day closure of the Nord Stream 1 pipeline next week. Dutch TTF prices, a key benchmark for Europe's wholesale gas price, jumped by 20% to above €290 per megawatt hour. Anthony Fauci, the chief medical advisor to the American president, said he would step down from that role and from his job as the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. The 81-year-old infectious diseases expert was the face of the American government's efforts to contain the COVID-19 pandemic. China's central bank slashed key lending rates in an attempt to revive the beleaguered property sector and reignite the economy. The five-year loan prime rate, the benchmark for mortgages, was cut by 0.15 percentage points to 4.3 percent, in step with an identical reduction in May. On Friday, officials announced additional financing to prop up the real estate sector. Turkey doubled its imports of Russian oil this year, according to Refinitiv, a financial data provider. Imports rose to over 200,000 barrels per day so far in 2022, compared with 98,000 in the same period of 2021. Trade between the two countries has grown rapidly since Turkey elected not to join Western sanctions against Russia, citing its reliance on Russian energy. President Joe Biden spoke with the heads of governments from Britain, France, and Germany about reviving a nuclear deal with Iran. The four Western leaders discussed ways to, quote, deter and constrain Iran's destabilizing regional activities. They also spoke about the war in Ukraine and the importance of protecting the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, the site of intense shelling in recent weeks. Cineworld, the world's second-largest cinema chain, said it was considering filing for bankruptcy in America. The British business, which also owns Regal Cinemas in America, said that a shortage of blockbuster films and the popularity of online streaming had threatened its recovery from the pandemic, which saw its debts soar. The company had a market value of just £56 million, or $66 million, at Friday's close. And fact of the day. 2,700. The estimated number of people killed because of terrorist violence in Mali so far this year, 40% more than in all of 2021. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. The Eurozone's Autumn of Discontent If recent surveys are any indication, growth in the Eurozone is about to start slowing. The services sector, which had bounced back from a slowdown caused by the pandemic, is flagging as the tourist season ends. A severe energy crunch has probably already sent the industry into recession. Tuesday's release of Purchasing Managers Index figures, which track economic activity, will add to the gloomy mood. A further decline would be a headache for Europe's politicians and monetary authorities alike. Governments are already under pressure to combat soaring energy bills with price caps and cash transfers. A weaker economy could dry up tax revenues. Businesses may start asking for tax cuts or cash compensation, too. The European Central Bank knows that interest rate increases, while necessary to contain inflation, will inflict economic pain. The autumn of discontent may begin early this year. China's JD.com Trots Forward The worst is over for China's embattled tech companies, but so is the best. Their share prices have bounced back from lows in March, but remain far below their peaks in early 2021. The ferocity of the long regulatory crackdown on the sector, including fines for unfair competition and stricter policing of data, has diminished somewhat. But China's equally relentless fight against COVID-19 has also hurt business. Alibaba and Tencent both reported a decline in their revenues last quarter, compared with a year earlier. JD.com, a third tech giant, releases its results on Tuesday. Unlike many tech companies, it owns much of its distribution network, employing over 220,000 delivery staff. That may help shield it from supply chain disruption and win it some political goodwill, but the company's growth will still be bridled. As one of its executives recently put it, there will be no return to, quote, riding the horse without holding the reins. Russia tries to set Syria straight While its war rages in Ukraine, Russia is struggling to stabilize its conflict-battered satellite in the Middle East, the Syrian regime of Bashar al-Assad. Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, is meeting his Syrian counterpart, Faisal Makdad, in Moscow on Tuesday. Syria wants assurances that Russia will not divert more forces away from Mr. Assad's civil war to the front in Ukraine. The Wagner Group, a shadowy Russian-backed private security contractor in Syria, has already scaled back its operations. Syria's cash-poor government also desperately needs grain. But Russia has demands, too. Turkey's membership of NATO and location on the Black Sea makes its cooperation critical for Russia's war in Ukraine. So Russia wants Mr. Assad to make peace with his foe, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Turkey's president. That would require Mr. Assad to facilitate the return of Syrian refugees from Turkey and start reconciling with the Turkish-backed rebels in Syria's north. But so far, Russian efforts to push Mr. Assad to accept a political settlement have come to nothing. Will the Sun Shine Red in Florida On Tuesday, Floridians will head to the polls in the state's last major primary of the year. Turnout and voters' choices in the Sunshine State, which has drifted towards the Republican Party in recent years, will be a gauge of the Democrats' prospects in the midterm elections. Watch who Democrats choose as their gubernatorial candidate to challenge Ron DeSantis, the Republican incumbent. The most likely choices are Charlie Crist, a former congressman, or Nikki Freed, the state's commissioner of agriculture. But neither has the campaign chest nor the name recognition to beat the popular Mr. DeSantis, who is among the top potential Republican presidential contenders for 2024. Floridians will also pick the Democratic contender for the Senate. Val Demings, a former police chief in Orlando, is the only candidate who could mount a meaningful challenge to Marco Rubio, a Republican and the current senator, in November. Polls that show her leading against Mr. Rubio have encouraged national Democratic donors to pile in. THE FIRST WHISTLE BLOWS FOR UKRAINIAN FOOTBALL When Russia invaded, football, like so much else in Ukraine, ground to a halt. Foreign professional players fled the country while many of their Ukrainian counterparts enlisted. Clubs used their infrastructure to provide humanitarian relief. But on Tuesday, the ball will start rolling again. The Ukrainian Premier League, the country's top football division, returns for a new season. Fans will not be allowed in the stadiums, which will be fitted with air raid shelters to protect players and officials in case of Russian shelling. The restart is a calculated risk to help small clubs struggling for revenue, but it is also a boost to the country's morale. The opening match will be played between FC Shakhtar, a club exiled from the Russian-occupied province of Donetsk since 2014, and Medalist 1925 from Kharkiv, a city bombarded by the Russians. Shakhtar will probably win that match. But this year, survival, not football, is the name of the game. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday What was the traditional nickname for IBM based on its logo? Monday What is the traditional title for an adult male Mormon who has taken the lowest office in the Melchizedek priesthood? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Mahatma Gandhi. Victory attained by violence is tantamount to a defeat, for it is momentary.